from Switzerland, who's one of our church members here. He says, I have apple strudel with vanilla sauce for dinner right now. Good evening from Switzerland. <laughs> Kathy says, I used to work for a German restaurant and the chef's wife made the best apple strudel. Sounds delicious. Ralph says, interesting to hear what a wonderful world without Satchmo's voice, they, they, did they originate? Satchmo Sat is, oh, oh, okay, oh, Satchmo. Oh, hey. <laughs> wow. Man, I, I just can't even finish all the burrito because I haven't had time, plus it, it's getting on my keyboard and in my notes and all, so it's, it's really great. Yeah, can't have that, my, my daughter said. As, what is your number one fear? What's your number one fear? Hmm? Not knowing where you're going, yeah? Okay. As you think about that, let me tell you what America's number one fear is. 75% overwhelmingly, the fear of speaking, public speaking. The vast majority of people rank fear of public speaking as number one, 75% according to the National Institutes of Mental Health. For some people, this means that a fear of speaking to large groups, and for others, it means speaking to even a single person if that person has power to evaluate you as a supervisor, interviewer, or professor giving an oral exam. And this is according to Pat Lauer-Dechur, Ph.D., the four greatest fears of Americans, according to the Indigo Project. You ready? Fear of heartbreak or rejection. Yeah, I mean, that would rank right up there. So not being loved back, having a broken heart, people not liking you. Secondly, fear of loneliness. Never meeting someone, being alone. There's people who have a terrible fear of being alone, that they're never going to meet, you know, the right person. Even not being seen, you can go into a crowded, crowded room and you have a fear of just not being seen, not being recognized. And so it's, it's a fear of being alone. How about this one, the fear of failure. This is number three, the fear of failure. So not reaching your full potential. <clears throat> Disappointing yourself. That's one of my biggest fears. Just flat disappointing myself because I have very high expectations and I get down on myself when I don't meet the expectations that I think I should have had. And of course that's easy then if you have a if, if you have a personality type like mine that's you know very exacting and everything has its place and you know kind of demanding then it's easy to project that onto other people. You start seeing people for their people's worth and value for the things that they can accomplish, right? So goal orientation rather than being people orientation. And then number four is the fear of death. 
And not only the fear of loved ones leaving your life, but for instance, a pet leaving your life. I, I remember when we, I've had dogs all of my life and um, off and on and through our marriage we had gotten a couple of dogs uh, here and there and just weren't, we were too busy, our schedule didn't permit to keep them and so we, I, I, you know, I put them, you know, to give away, you know, to a good home or, and then <clears throat> all of a sudden we come across these little guys called uh, Los Opsos and I, my wife had had a particularly hard time on a trip and I was meeting her at the airport and, and we had talked about, you know, uh, the cuddliness and holding a dog and, and that that dog, you could sort of transfer that, that need for comfort. And I went out and I found the cutest little Lhasa Apso. And I brought him to the airport and he met my wife at the airport. I, I gave him to somebody else to hold so that when I, and this was back when you could walk up to the gate before 9-11 and all that, and so you could go right to the gate with whatever, and so I didn't want to have the puppy with me, and so I gave it to, you know, um, somebody that looked like they would be honest and not take off, <laughs> and said, hey, I'm meeting my wife here, but it's a surprise and so forth. Well, so what unfolded from that, though, this is just a little guy, about eight, nine, ten weeks old. It's the cutest thing. For the first time in my life, I actually developed a relationship with this dog. A personal, close relationship, as close as you can have with an animal. Played with him and loved on him and looked forward to getting home at night so that we could tussle and rustle and, you know, all these kind of things. And, and then he needed a playmate. So we found a little girl and got that Lhasa Apso, and they lived to be 15 years of age. And then finally we had to put them down. I will never forget, for all the rest of my life, the day and the time and the week in particular, where we had to put our little, first the boy, and then it was a girl about a year later. Uh, my, I had to involve my, my daughter and her husband, you know, I mean, after he was put to sleep, it just we just we could hardly drive the car. Put to sleep, put down, and and uh, we we tried to go up and, and and bury the little guy, and we just we couldn't get that done, and so forth up in the mountains. And and then I called my my son-in-law, whose parents had some land, and it was just I don't know. There was something that had happened in that relationship and losing this little guy. I give you all of that background to say, when you develop a relationship, whether it be with another human being or even with an animal that you love, one of the greatest fears in all of our lives is the fear of losing that one that you are so close to. Another fear related to the fear of death is the way we'll die. Have you ever thought about that and said, man, <laughs> I just, I mean, when I go, I don't want to be, right? For me, I know I've thought about, I just don't want to be in pain, right? I, I don't want to, like, get shot and be laying there in great pain and, and dying and suffering. I don't want to suffer. I just want to, like, not wake up one morning type of thing, right? So we have all of these various fears. What if instead of responding to fear as something to be eliminated and conquered, we asked ourselves, What's behind this story? 
What if your fear was really an act of the imagination, a gateway into a life of abandonment to God's dreams for you? Author Karen Walker said, what if fear is an unintentional storytelling? Because there's characters in it, there's plots, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end, there's imagination involved in a story, and fear has all of that, right? Fear has characters, fear has a plot, fear has imagination like none other. Fears focus our attention, but it's on what? And what is going to happen next? That's what keeps a story exciting. What is going to happen next? But when you're overcome with fear, it's all about that. What is going to happen next? And our imagination runs wild, and we start fearing, of course, the worst. And we start writing a whole story, right? Did you know that you are the author of your stories? This same author, Karen Walker, called it productive paranoia. I love that. You can take a hold of your fears, and instead of seeing them as something to be conquered, what if your fear is something to be guided like a story, and you turn that paranoia into production? Very, very good. Yes, Pam says it would make us more like directors. Wonderful. Now, listen to this story about Jesus, something that happened with him and his disciples. It's taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. Now, remember, immediately after this, immediately after what, I'll tell you in a few minutes, okay? There's something that ties into the story that's the backstory. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. And meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came, came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. You're the director. You write the story. All right? Take hold of your paranoia. I'm here. I'm here. Jesus is always right in the midst of whatever you're fearing, whatever's going wrong. He wants to be right in the middle of your storytelling. Jesus, or Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Hold on to that. Why did you doubt me? Because we think we know what he's talking about. 
Obviously, Peter doubted when he looked and saw the wind and the waves, and he began to sink. Is that all there is to the doubt? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God. What are we reading into our stories? What do you read into your paranoias, your fears? I'm sinking. I'm going down. What if I'm treading water and a shark comes, starts nibbling on the pieces of my body, right, on my limbs and takes a bite? Oh, my gosh. Embarrassment of what your friends will think? What if we chose to rewrite our stories? Now, remember where our text started with immediately after this? The immediately after this that he was talking about is he had just fed the multitude. Now, some translations say 5,000, feeding of the 5,000. But now get this, that was 5,000 men, but the women and the children were with the men, so it was easily a group of 10,000, 15,000 people that he fed that day, and the disciples were helping him. You've heard the story, right? Uh, 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 Jesus said, I want you to have all of them sit down in groups, and I want you to feed them. And they said, Lord, what are you talking about? You must be going crazy. I think the heat is getting to you. We don't have any food, certainly, to feed 5,000. We don't have enough to feed ourselves. And there was a little boy with a basket with one fish and a loaf of bread. And Jesus said, bring it to me. And Jesus looked up to heaven, and he blessed it. And then he started handing it out to the disciples. And they started handing it out, and it multiplied as they were handing it out. What looked like a circumstance of oh my gosh, we're going down. What are people going to think? They're hungry. They've been staying out listening to you in these evangelistic services and we're not going to be able to feed them. Jesus says, feed them. And he provides. When he said to, to Peter, why did you doubt me? Keep in mind that that happened right after Peter witnessing one of the greatest miracles ever in the ministry of Jesus, and he participated in it by helping feed 15,000 people, 10 to 15,000 people, and watching supernaturally bread multiplying, fish multiplying in their hands. He watched that. He helped pass it out. Then he's walking on the water because Jesus says, come, and he doubts was it just the wind and the waves? Or was he making up another story? He had forgotten Jesus said, come, and Jesus would never invite you into anything you can't do. And then he had forgot how God had provided for 15,000 people, multiplying it. Look, I'm really doing this, is what he should have said. Look, how, how great is this? I'm really doing this. I'm walking on the water. Wait till I get home. He's writing a new story, right? He's writing a different story about his paranoia. See, you can't eliminate fear from your life. 
Fear's a reality. Fear's going to come. Fear is part of everyday life, and I'm not so sure we're meant to conquer it rather than direct it. Write your own story. There's characters, and there's plot, and there's how's, how's your story going to go when fear comes? Wait till I get back and tell the family I walked on water. Jesus just, just had me help him feed thousands and multiplied what I brought to him. What fun things is he going to do with this situation? I'm walking on water. You know, God always takes what you bring in scarcity and multiplies it to feed thousands. Your present dream will have to sink before he can release you from living in stunted imaginations about life. You're the director. You're writing the story. You're writing the story of your life. You're writing the story of your walk with other people, with family, with your spouse, with your loved ones, at work. Now, there might be wind and waves, and the boat is rocking, and it looks like it's going to sink. Jesus says, now, wait, are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust that I can multiply your scarcity? Are you going to trust that I'm supernaturally going to bring you across and over on the water? You see, God is bigger than my understanding. God is bigger than my problems. And God often wants us to try something that's in our heart simply based on a word. And he doesn't give us all the detail. Have you ever had that happen? Where you felt an impression, you just kind of had, quote, a word. I have an impression, I have a leading, I just feel like I should. I have a peace in my spirit. I just, we call it lots of different things. But then you don't have all the details. It's okay. You don't need all the details. You're writing a story. And I promise you, sure as you get down the road in your story, sure as you get down the road in following that word, following your dream, there's going to come wind and waves and opportunities to fear. It's not unchristian. You're not a failure. You haven't stepped out of God's will or out of victory when you experience these things. Conquer it by directing it. Conquer it by writing a different story, a different narrative to the fear. You insert the characters that you want in that story of paranoia. You insert your own imaginations of what is going on. I woke up the other night almost in sweats thinking about where we had come from several years ago and where we were. And then also wondering whether this whole new burrito thing, it really is good. You know, whether people would be interested, whether people would come, whether refocusing the name of the church, rebranding, going to much shorter TED Talk-like talks, having music that's not altogether Christian, but just kind of sing-alongs mixed in with our dedicated, committed, Christ-centered music. Is it going to fail? 
You know what I'm doing? I'm writing a new story. Because I know people are being touched. I know people are being helped live a deeper life. If I can help just you, I'm so happy. I'm so set free from all of the paranoia that it's not going to work or who's going to be there or any of those things that doesn't matter anymore, right? He gave me a word and I'm stepping out on the water and I'm going to write the story from there. He gave me a word and I'm following and I'm not going to... Notice, he didn't say, Peter, don't look at the wind. Peter, don't look at the waves. He just said, why did you doubt me? I don't think his doubt was just about the waves or the wind that he looked at. He didn't believe the word and he didn't trust his previous experience where he had seen God move. Write your story. Remind yourself of how good God is. In the middle of your fears, remind yourself of all the times God has come through and blessed you. Now, let me tell you something. We have a young man in the back operating our audio equipment today who's been going through months and months, really the better part of several years, but in particular concentrated this year, 22, I meant, trying to get the assistance medically and physically and with SSI and Social Security and needs that he has. Kept getting turned down, thrown out, living in a hotel. He got a letter. (laughs) He brought it to church for me and Nina to read. In this letter, it says, first of all, Social Security has now approved you for the disability, SSI, ISS, I don't know, ISIS, something. God's doing a terrorist on the devil. Oh, I got spiritual there for a minute. I'm sorry, I dipped back into my evangelicalism. So anyway, uh, God's bringing through this sustenance, this provision that has been knocked down and not approved for years, and all of a sudden it's been approved. Now get this. In addition, based on that that's come through, this organization now is canceling all student loan debt. It's in his letter. He has it back there. Canceling all student loan debt that he has. <laughs> mm. Now, I can tell you after walking with this man for years that he'd, he had hit the wall many times. We'd been in tears. We had prayed. I mean, it just looked hopeless. But God. God is bigger. God is greater. Now, watch this. I'm going to stop talking because I want you to talk. Listen to this. Uh, There's a man who lived a couple thousand years ago and helped write much of the New Testament in the Bible. His name is Paul. He wrote this in a book, a letter that he wrote. It says this. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. 
he will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Jeff, that's what you're experiencing. <laughs> you don't always, you don't act very Pentecostal, you know, from my experience with you over the years. But man, you, this is a good time to shout, bro. <laughs> All right, let's throw this thing open. Let's just talk. What are you hearing? Okay, we have a microphone here. I want what you say to be listenable, uh, hearable on the live stream. And so, Pammy, would you help me since she's, um, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and when you get it to somebody, hold it real close to their mouth. Okay, what, what are you hearing right here? Was this, was you putting your hand up? I want, no, okay, go ahead. What are you hearing? Well, I, I hear a lot of things uh, that are kind of mixed and... Hold it real I'm, close for me. What I'm saying is you need to uh, make a goal for yourself. It might not be the one someone else has for you, but mm. you are writing your own story, so each person writes their own story. Each person is writing. Your story might not be somebody else's. What are you hearing, everybody? Now, those of you on the live stream, please chat with us now. You can type it into the chat or text it to 720-878-3323. We're monitoring the chat as, or the text as well. I think that, Lynn, that's a really great point. It's a very liberating point that we don't have to be like somebody else. And when you're trying to be, your story, when you think your story should be like somebody else, well, no wonder you're, that's one of the reasons we would be afraid is that I can't live up to this or that or the other. So if you write your own story. And of course, I realize it's also write your own story in the face of fears uh, is what Jeff's been talking about. But I think it's very liberating to know you don't have to be in somebody else's, don't have to be what somebody else is doing. Right. Okay, well, I, anticipating, I have a couple of questions I want to pose then. What's your number one fear? Anybody? Now, now I want you to say it right out loud, okay, on, on mic. Not being good enough. Not being good enough. Okay. Anybody else? Type it into the chat. Send it at us a text. We're monitoring right now. What's your number one fear? Anybody else? What's your number one fear? Failure. Failure. Okay. What in tied to something in particular? Failure, Flight, like failing at your job, or failing in your marriage, or failing in your all of those things. <laughs> Just sort of failing, not not meeting your own expectations. Okay. Anybody else? You want to tell Pam and she can say it. <laughs> all right. I'm going to ask a second one then. What's an example of a fear which did not materialize? You were really afraid of this thing, and it never happened. She's afraid of losing her mental capacity. Okay. The memory's not as clear as it used to be. Yeah. Fran says, I'm afraid of losing my mental capacity. Uh, 
she had an accident some years ago and it's not been as clear all right and she's afraid of that waning and getting since the surgery yeah since the surgery brain surgery even Could we just pray for Franny right now, you yes. in the live stream broadcast, those of us here? Let's just pray. Let's ask God. I just read it. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. Holy Spirit, we ask you to touch Fran's physical brain, her synapses, the sinews, the electrical currents, the and where this operation tried to take or diminish or cause conflict or brokenness, we speak healing and life. We pray that you would keep Fran's mind healthy and strong and not only restore anything that has been taken or lost, but that memory and functionality would improve. We pray and ask you for this miracle manifest. Amen. Amen. All right. Anybody else? What was the last question? My last question was, have you ever feared something? What's an example of a fear and it didn't materialize? Okay, we're monitoring the chat. <clears throat> what we hope to grow into here, we're going to be in a circular kind of thing, maybe some tables to eat at and so forth, and we're just going to really have great discussion. And um, I'm checking to be sure I haven't missed anything. Okay, anybody? Okay, this doesn't answer your question. Okay. But it is a good, uh, a really good comment that Jeff Peter is making. Uh, just because something happens one way for someone else doesn't mean it will happen for you the same way. So I, I, I really like that because like, sometimes you see, well, somebody else had this surgery result, for instance, since I just had surgery, had the surgery result that was bad, and you go, oh, no, that's the way it's going to happen for mm -hmm. me. But that's not necessarily so. And then, of course, that's true of jobs. That's true of it doesn't matter what the topic is. It's true of every topic that you see something not so great happen and you think what if it goes that way for me and but that's we should that's a fear that's a unfounded fear you know mm -hmm. i do kind of question this thought of rewriting the story and may i use your fear okay so lisa has stated this publicly before she's she's afraid that um her house is going to burn down. Like maybe she's left something plugged in after she leaves and this just fear comes over her. Oh my gosh, did I unplug it? Did I unplug it? The kind of thing. Well, how do you rewrite your story? Do you simply change your mind that no, that must, I, how do you do that? Don't leave the house. Jeff says, don't leave the house. That would solve that don't particular. Leave the house. You could rewrite, you could be the director of your story by not leaving the house. And Lisa agrees. All right. What's everybody think? I mean, that, that's a tremendous. You can make a checklist.
just mentally make a checklist so that you know you did everything that you could go further and leave and be so confident. So you're saying don't ignore the fear, the reality of the fear, but do some things positively to write to control, the story. To say, to control to, to it, say I have no reason to fear this because I've made my checklist, everything's off. I'm the director. Yep. As you said, I'm the director of this. I'm not going to let it control me. I'm going to say, nope, I'm not afraid because I already did. I Any, anybody else want to talk about that? Okay, somebody, okay, somebody run this over. Oh, well, the spheres hit me. I always, I always say the scripture. God's not given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. It's like I, it's like I take authority over it. It's like, no, God has not given me. Of course, I go through most of my day saying that <laughs> about a lot of things, but it's like, you know, just fears, just bombarding, 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 and it's like, no, God hasn't given me this spirit, you know, I'm just using that scripture. So you, you're a reader of the Bible, yes. and you discovered a scripture that says mm -hmm. God hasn't given us these thoughts of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind, and so we can exert and rewrite the story in essence I have a sound mind all right I, I'm not full of fear I have a sound mind and so I don't quote receive those thoughts about that thing whatever it might be um, okay all right uh, Ralph says here Ralph responds <laughs> He says, I, I decided as a young man, he's talking about this one of uh, what, what fear, what's an example of a fear that didn't materialize? He said, I decided as a young man that I wanted to leave marks on this world, not like tourists in Hawaii, but like Armstrong on the moon. My fear was, and sometimes is, that I will not. Not for fame, though, but for purpose and meaning. And remember, that was one of our four greatest fears, having to do with, you know, having a meaningful life that I won't count, that I'm not noticed. Okay? Anybody else? You're typing into the chat window if you have a response, or you're texting it, all right? 720-878-3323. Really easy, text it. Okay, and we'll bring it up here. All right, I have a third question then. Describe a fear you presently have, which if imagined differently, could turn into a God thing. Could turn into a God thing. We kind of dealt with it with the imagination of the house burning down, and you said, well, maybe we could flip that or at least approach it. We're not going to do away with the fear. We're going to acknowledge it, but maybe there's some proactive things we can do that help minimize the fear because we know, you know, I went through a checklist before I left the house. Things are cool. Again, the question, describe a fear you presently have, which if imagined differently, could turn into a God thing. Not really a question. It's an invitation for you right now to think about this dialogue about this with us. Describe a fear you presently have that if imagined differently 
could turn into a God thing. Okay, well, Jeff, uh, in, in the back here who can't be seen or heard, <laughs> uh, texted this. And, of course, with what they're going through right now, his fear is winding up on the streets, living on the streets. Which has been a very real reality. And God keeps supplying, and somebody will come to him and give him money, and there's been provision, and family members have said, you know, I will help you with something. And Okay, what can you do to imagine that being different? So, I wonder if, as just part of our prayer, part of our lifting and surrendering, lifting our heart, surrendering, if what we could do is start, as Jeff just said, imagining, imagining the new place that we're living in. See the carpets, smell the smells, look at the kitchen and see how it's set up. See, use your... You, the scripture says, as we read here, he will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. Well, it's not just positive mental attitude now that I'm talking about. We've just read from scripture a God promise. God's bigger God's better than I even can imagine him to be. So write that story. Reinsert the characters. Reinsert, all right, the storyline. And let's start talking about what if the story went this way and see a positive outcome to that fear that you have. Anybody else? For me, again, I'll harken back to this scenario right here. This is so different of a gathering, a church gathering for me, than in 40 years. All right. And, and the fear has been lack of success, nobody interested, uh, it's going to fail, people will laugh. Uh, you know, all kinds of things, you know. And again, just kind of waking up in a sweat. But then what I did to start reimagining that is imagining people gathered. I don't, I don't need a big crowd. It's not about a big crowd. I'm just talking about people in the live stream, listening, responding, people writing, people helping, people getting involved in helping others which is one of the things that we're going to deal with each week. Starting next week, every week at the close of service or our gathering, we will from a list choose the thing we're going to do the next week as a gathering that each of us are going to take on and do at least once to be a blessing, to help to encourage somebody out in our life, all right? I gave you an illustration last week of being in line at the local McDonald's buying my meal, and this thought came to me to buy, to pay for the meal of the car behind me, whatever they were buying. I didn't even know. I couldn't quite tell through the 
tinted windows, whether they had a whole car load full of kids and, <laughs> you know, this thing could be $50, $60. It didn't matter. I had this impression, I believe it was God, buy, pay for the meal of the next car. So when I got up there to pay for mine, I handed the credit card to the gentleman and I said, hey, I also want to pay for the car behind me, whatever they've ordered. That is on, that's one thing on a list of a hundred different things that I have that we can do as an act of kindness, it's called. Now, I couldn't get to it this week, but next week, all right, is my promise to you, I will have printed their business card size kindness cards, as well as a little card that you can hand out to anybody in any situation that simply makes them aware of this gathering opportunity, both online and in person, and uh, that they can come. And there, there's a place for you just to write your name if you want to and how they can contact you, maybe a phone number, so, so that they have something more personal, all right? In fact, we're viewing it right here. What if gathering on Sunday was done in a judgment-free zone, accepting and affirming all? We invite you to explore, discuss, and discover that God is good. Join the discussion, eat a burrito, give and get a hug. Really, we hand out burritos rather than bulletins. See, and you can just write your name on there, all right? The other side, do we have the other side of the card? Oh, get the, the but the other side, there, that's the other side, that's the kind of, this is, this is the other side of the card that you would hand out to somebody, right? And then the kindness card is the one, you know, where we're just saying, what's the other side of this kindness card? Something simple to let you know God loves you. Had I had that with me, I would have handed it with my credit card to the person at McDonald's there, the checker, and then he could have given it to the car behind me when they pulled up and he, said, and, and he told him, hey, that fella just paid for your meal and here's what he left for you. And that's what they would see. That's what they would read. So every week we're going to choose a new thing to do out of kindness. Yeah, why don't you come up? No. <laughs> Can, yeah, I want to just sit. Can I sit? Yeah. <laughs> this is from Ralph. Well, and uh, you'll have to sit up here as far as ending the service, though. Because of the camera. I, I don't have the ability to data. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Okay. Now. All right, so Ralph says, uh, this is back to the what are you afraid of question, um, and he says, I'm, this is, Ralph, this is very transparent, because um, I've had the same fear, so I feel very transparent. I am afraid that all my relationships I am building at the moment will disappear just like those that I built in the past 17 years, um, and it says exact twice in the past, that means it's happened twice. Then he puts in his hope. I can only invest hope and faith. That that was pretty. That's wow. very cool. That I can only invest hope and faith. And that's really, really, really true. This is a good question for us. Well, and and Ralph, I completely agree. Ralph is asking, how come a stock photo instead of a photo of us, which would which is the better? And so, start thinking about it. We're going to take a picture <laughs> of us, and that's going to replace. <laughs> Jeff's shaking his head. He's not ready for that quite yet, but that, we'll, put it, that's he, why. we'll do it back there. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Good suggestion, though, Ralph. Uh, I've often thought about that. In fact, already we're coming up with some new marketing, and, and, and some of it that was submitted to me had stock images of 
people gathering and so forth, and I said, no, I don't want to give people a wrong impression. That's not us. We're not going to do that. So. Okay. Are we done with today's we, discussion? We are done with today's discussion. All right.